0: is an odyssey original
1: this is coronavirus daily i'm charles feldman i'm mike simpson from the knx odyssey studios in la health officials now recommending booster shots eight months after getting your second one of pfizer or moderna begins next month not exactly clear on how it's going to work though and uh, if people really do need these boosters
0: covid isn't the only health problem out there breast cancer has not gone away but Maybe the key to saving lives is something already in your medicine cabinet.
1: Outdoor masks coming back in LA, and at least major sporting events and gatherings are on the list, but are those really needed?
0: Let's start with the boosters. Dr. Todd Rice is a pulmonologist and critical care physician. He's also vice president of the Vanderbilt Institute for Clinical and Translational Research. Uh, So, doctor, what are our officials saying with recommending boosters?
2: The data that the CDC released today. Uh, has shows a couple of things. One is that it shows that the vaccine isn't quite as effective today, or if you've had it for a few, got it a few months ago, as it was initially when you had it in protecting you from getting infected. But it does still show that it actually is is as effective at preventing you from needing the hospital if you get infected, uh, or getting you know in the ICU and and needing that level of care. But the concern is is that as the protection from the vaccine decreases some to preventing you against preventing you from getting the infection, that it also is likely to decrease some from keeping you from being hospitalized if you have the infection. And this is sort of preemptive almost in that if we increase your antibody levels with the booster, then you're better protected both from getting infected and, you know, better protected from needing to get into the hospital if you get infected.
1: So kind of a two-pronged thing, right? The big one is the someday question, and we want to stay out of hospitals and we don't want to die. So that would eventually start to maybe wane. But in the immediate next few months, they're trying to reduce, what, these breakthrough cases. Uh, That that was also never the promise, though, right? I think maybe that got a little misconstrued. We we were never told we wouldn't get sick. It would just be mild, and that's that's kind of how a vaccine works also.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. the the goal, the ultimate goal of the vaccine is to prevent people from getting sick and needing the hospital and dying. And if we get lucky on top of that and prevent you from even getting infected, you know that's kind of a bonus. But if you get infected and had a mild infection, that's still a success for the vaccine because we prevented you from from getting really sick. The, the other component of this that I think is in play, and it wasn't explicitly stated, was you know there are some newer data that suggests that. With the Delta variant, if you're an infected, vaccinated person, you might still be able to transmit the the virus to other people, which was different than the Alpha and the Beta variant, we think. Um, And, you know, this booster might uh, actually give you high enough antibody levels that we might be able to block that transmission. Uh, And that, you know, in the overall public health is also a big component of trying to get out of this surge and trying to get out of this sort of pandemic in general is not only preventing cases that need the hospitalization, but also trying to break that cycle of transmission from person to person.
0: But, you know, it was interesting uh, in watching it this morning, a lot was made in terms of the case being made about waning antibodies and booster providing, and and that's, uh, I guess, a no-brainer, more antibodies. But I I can recall countless experts uh, talking in recent months about we're placing too much emphasis on antibodies, that, of course, they're going to wane over time. What's really important are things like T-cells and B-cells. There was no mention of any of that this morning.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you watched all the way through the whole questions, but somebody asked a question about the T-cells and the memory B cells to Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci said they're very important and they're really hard to measure in a large group of people and the antibodies are easier. Uh, And I think that's right. Uh, Your point about the antibodies wane over time is exactly right. That's, you know, biology is, is that, you know, if we get exposed to something or vaccine, we develop antibodies to that. And uh, eventually we decrease our number and our amount of antibodies, because if we didn't, I like to tell people our blood would be like maple syrup. It'd be so thick
1: with yeah. <laughs> all
2: of these antibodies, we wouldn't be able to pump it around. So we kind of have to do that, you know, to have blood be thin enough to pump and all of that. But we develop a memory response where if we're re-exposed, we're able to recreate those antibodies at a much more efficient and faster pace. Okay. So, so, so I'm, I'm in, I'm
0: going to interrupt only because we're going to run out of time, but, I, but yeah. that gets me to this point. So yeah. why then do we need to necessarily have a booster to increase Antibodies we knew all along they were going to wane, so why not rely on the T cells and the B cells to make new ones if we get infected?
2: Yeah, I think the 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 thought process behind this, and we don't have great data for it, I'll admit it, but the thought process behind this is, is that if you have high antibody levels at the time that you might be exposed to the virus, you're better at kind of warding off ever being even infected with it or being infected enough to transmit to other people as opposed to if you don't have high antibody levels at that time, you create antibodies over the course of a couple of days, but you still have that couple of day window where maybe you have the virus and you're able to transmit it to close contacts and that sort of stuff. Doct- so I think that's the theory behind it.
1: All right. Dr. Todd Rice, pulmonologist, critical care physician, vice president, Vanderbilt Institute for Clinical and Translational Research. Doctor, thanks.
0: One concern doctors have about the pandemic is that people have put off cancer screenings they didn't want to risk getting sick at the hospital or doctor's office. Screenings or no screenings, cancer is still a major health problem.
1: We know how deadly breast cancer can be. What if something as simple as putting aspirin on a plan can really help? Doctors are looking into it. Dr. Mary L. Monsri, hematologist, medical oncologist at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. So, doctor, you give the aspirin in this study in conjunction with what?
3: With immunotherapy. So immunotherapy has actually been found to have effectiveness um, at, for triple negative um, breast cancers, which are in general very difficult to treat.
0: So aspirin has now been associated with lots of, of sort of different kinds of cancer treatments as being somewhat beneficial. Why is that?
3: So aspirin is in the category of drugs known as NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So aspirin reduces the signs and symptoms of inflammation, so it has been shown to actually have some anti-cancer properties by inhibiting tumor cells from dividing and impairing the growth of precancerous cells. It's also been shown to inhibit new blood vessel formation that breast cancers need to grow.
1: And so big hope in this trial that they're going to do because as we mentioned before and as you mentioned, um, they're going to try and go after what's a really aggressive form of cancer that is really hard to treat
0: exactly so is is this uh in terms of the future are we talking about giving people who have diagnosed uh, cancer breast cancer aspirin or are we talking about using it prophylactically uh or both
3: I think both. I mean, there are some studies that have been shown linking aspirin to a lower risk of breast cancer for patients that had estrogen positive cancer. So cancers that were driven by hormones. And also, I would, you you know, say that it might have good effects for patients that have already had cancer. So both.
1: What about the tumors themselves trying to make them more you know, sensitive to some of the immunotherapy that's going on. Does the aspirin help in that regard, or is at least that kind of the idea behind this? Yeah,
3: that's the idea behind this clinical trial. So we need more research to actually figure out if um, that would be the effect.
0: So, are we talking about uh, you know like huge amounts of of aspirin, or are we talking about you know basically? You know, you go to the corner drugstore, you you pop open a a bottle of aspirin, and you pop a 325 milligram pill, tablet. So
3: it's, yeah, basically go to the drugstore, but get that baby aspirin. That's the 81 milligrams, that good old Bayer aspirin, because that's the one that's really been studied for different cancers, such as colon cancer, for example. So it's the actually low dose aspirin, the 81 milligrams. The 325 is the higher dose aspirin.
0: So you you take the 81 milligram for like how long? Just a little guy.
3: So, I mean, that's going to be difficult to say. I think we still need more research for that. I don't think we really have um, definite time frames for that. That's the um, premise of the trials.
1: All right. Dr. Mary Omos, rheumatologist, medical oncologist, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. Doctor, thanks.
0: Coming up after a short break, can you cheer as loudly with a mask on? People in L.A. will soon find out. People who go to big outdoor events like football and baseball games or concerts in L.A. County will now have to wear masks, vaccinated or not. So if someone's favorite Dodger player hits a home run... They'll have to yell and scream with a mask on.
1: Does it make sense? No big outbreaks have been linked to these types of events. Officials found about 200 cases of the 380,000 people who went to Lollapalooza in Chicago. And Ramoyne, professor of epidemiology and infectious diseases at UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health. So, doctor, that uh, caseload doesn't sound like too much out of all those people.
4: Well, I mean, you also have to remember. So, hi, first of all, it's nice to be here and thanks for having me. But I would say that the, those I, I'd like to really understand more information about those 203 cases. Are those only 203 cases just in Chicago? Are those 203 cases symptomatic disease? Are those 203 cases? um, You know, where where are they where are they coming from specifically? I think we all know that that we are not tracking. Um, asymptomatic cases or just minimally symptomatic cases. Most vaccinated people are not getting tested. There's a lot of asymptomatic infection and transmission ongoing. This is also why we're going to be seeing um, booster shots because we're seeing waning immunity. So, you know, you have to take this in bigger context than just saying, well, there were, you know, a lot, a lot of people at this concert. Um, and we haven't tied symptomatic or hospitalized cases. Um, or, you know, whatever it is that they're actually looking at to, to Lollapalooza. You know, I, 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 the, the, the bottom line is, is that yes, it is much safer to be outdoors than indoors, but there's no zero risk scenario and the Delta variant is, is very contagious. So. Um, you know, there there are a lot of things to be considered when looking at these data.
1: Well, let's take that last point there, because all, all along we have heard, yes, much, much safer outside. It's real hard to catch this outside. What is different in the big crowd or what is different now? Is it people are so packed in, you're around 10,000 plus people, and that's way more than you usually get around?
4: Sure. Well, when you have uh, a lot of people packed together in tight spaces or they're, um, you know, and you, you, you can't keep a reasonable distance, your risk is going to go up. I mean, I think that that's the bottom line: is that you have to remember that that there's no zero risk scenario here, and so everybody's got to start thinking about this as as your risk threshold and the the risk threshold around you, and also it's going to be related to the amount of community spread that's that that you're seeing. But, so,
0: let, me, but let me ask you something about on the whole outdoor thing. Uh, and, and masks as if they were very serious about all this. Um, wouldn't they also ban eating at these events? Uh, because, you know, I've been to movie theaters uh, of late and I've seen people, you know, they take off their mask and they eat popcorn. You get the large bucket, <laughs> you get the large bucket because right? it eat takes it. <laughs> two hours yeah, and you eat it kernel by kernel. So it takes two hours. Uh, I was recently at the Hollywood Bowl with 18000 people sitting next to her actually turned out to be a physician who probably was an alcoholic because she and her friend went through about a bottle and a half of wine over three hours, but her mask was down a lot while she was gulping the wine. So you multiply that by thousands of people. If they were serious about all of this, wouldn't they also say, look, you need to wear masks because it, it does reduce the risk, but no, you can't eat and drink while you're at these events with thousands of other people.
4: Well, I think that, that the, that the public health department has a, has a very, very serious line to, to be balancing here. And, uh, right now, I think that the, the first step that they've taken, which I think is a, a prudent one, is to start with, uh, um, getting the mask mandates back for very, very large events. And, you know, I think we're going to have to see where, where things go from, from, from there. The 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 thing that everybody wants to do is to prevent transmission of the virus and to to put together uh, these kinds of rules and regulations that are keeping people as safe as possible. Uh, it's it's really difficult to control everybody's behavior in in large venues. That's that's certainly true. But but I think that the the response to a very high rate of transmission. Locally and globally, um, that, that making this for for in particular mega events is the right call.
1: Let's pick your brain on boosters because we've had doctors that say, "Yeah, I can see it." Others who have said, "You know, what, the jury's kind of still out for me. Maybe past the eight months someday, but not quite yet." What's what's your thought on what we've heard over the last couple of days?
4: Well, I think that 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 this has been a, a something that that we've all been watching over time. What we get, what we know is that vaccines offer the best protection against severe illness, hospitalization, and death. And they are continuing to do that. That's really the, what we, what we asked these vaccines to do when we tested them. They are absolutely doing that. And that's, um, that's important, but. Uh, we have to remember that, that vaccines are not going to be, uh, effective forever and they're not going to necessarily be, um, corrective. Um, sorry. These vaccines are not going to be effective necessarily against infection. And what we've been seeing locally and globally is we're seeing antibody levels decline over time. Uh, and we're also, so, so people who are vaccinated very early on, We're starting to naturally see this decline in antibodies. So it would make them more susceptible to getting infected. But we're also seeing this really contagious variant, the Delta variant, which is creating so much more uh, capacity for virus transmission um, because we're seeing a thousand times more virus shedding from from the respiratory tract uh, than the original variant. You know, these the the vaccines aren't holding up as well against just infection from these variants. So, and and so and as I, a result, I, we're going to need the, we're going to need to to boost immunity.
0: And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So are these boosters that they're now saying people should start getting eight months post their second uh, shot if they got a two shot uh, regimen? Are these boosters then really designed uh, more to prevent uh vaccinated people from perhaps spreading to unvaccinated people who will have more dire consequences than they are designed to uh reduce illness in those already vaccinated for whom the vaccines they currently have are pretty effective anyway.
4: Well, they're twofold. So so the the first thing is that we're seeing this declining level of antibody over time and we're seeing some increases in hospitalizations in other countries like Israel who are a little bit further ahead of us because they started vaccinating a little bit earlier. So the writing's on the wall that we're going to 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 likely see the same thing going forward. But the second thing is this point that you brought up which is that just because you're you're the the fact that you're vaccinated is going to reduce the probability of being infected. It's going to Really keep you from having severe disease, hospitalization, and death at this point, but it doesn't necessarily protect you 100% from getting infected and being able to spread it to others who are more vulnerable. So a boost is likely going to be able to provide extra neutralizing antibodies that will do a really good job of being able to protect you from infection, uh, and and that's what they're that's what they're hoping for, and that will mean it'll be you'll have less of risk yourself from from getting it. Um, And you'll also be less of a risk to others by participating in a transmission chain.
1: Dr. Anne Ramoin, Professor of Epidemiology, Infectious Diseases, UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health. Thanks.
0: If you are stuck at home with COVID and self-isolating, you might be lonely and you'd want some company, but no one would want to come over because, you know, you're sick with COVID. So what can you do? Indonesia has an answer. You get a robot, a homemade robot designed by Indonesian villagers and scientists for fun, and it's found a new use during the pandemic, bringing food to people with COVID who are isolating. It's called the Delta robot. You get it after the variant? (laughs) It's made of household items like pots, pans, and an old television monitor. The robot's head is made from a rice cooker. I know people who have heads that are made of rice cookers. It's operated by remote control, and it is one of several robots made in the village.
1: It's going to be a Pixar movie pretty soon. You watch. Uh, You can find this Odyssey original on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.